Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. When have you felt the most welcome? Can you think of a moment when you felt like someone really made you feel welcome? Maybe it was when you went to a new school or you joined a new team or moved into a new neighborhood. Or For me, it was coming to this church. I'll never forget 10 years ago coming to this church and sitting out in the audience, right? One of those Sunday mornings packed with hundreds of people. And Mark Foreman is standing up on the stage and he just stops mid-sermon, mid-sentence and looks at me, points at me and says, Ryan Pfeiffer, I'm so glad you're here. It's so good to see you. Just called me out. And I know maybe for some of you guys, that would not make you feel welcome. It would freak you out. But for me, I felt like, yeah, this is home. It felt like I felt welcomed. I felt like this is my new church family. This idea of being welcome is such a big part of us as human beings and the way we relate to each other, the need to feel welcomed and the gift that we give to others when we make others feel welcome because this comes from the heart of God. This is really who God is. God so loved the world, not Encinitas, or God just so loved Carlsbad, but God so loved the world that he gave his son because God wants to welcome the whole world into his family. And that's what we're going to look at in this passage. We're going to look at this moment where God imparts and empowers the people of God to be his welcoming presence on earth as it is in heaven. But first, let's look at the passage, Acts chapter two, beginning in verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to levitate. No, no, they don't do that. It's really important we pay attention to what the Spirit does when he comes and fills believers, how he empowers them. It's so important here. Check this out. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and get this, and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, and this is one of my favorite parts, it always makes me laugh, there's always a peanut gallery in every great moment. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much to drink. This is an amazing moment where we see the Holy Spirit poured out on the people of God in an extraordinary, unprecedented way. In a way that would inaugurate not just, it wouldn't just be a one-off special moment, it would be a moment that inaugurates a whole new era on earth. 
where the Holy Spirit dwells and fills the people of God in a way that's really unique in human history. And in this moment, we see the Spirit shows up and empowers the believers to do something that's really important to notice. I made a joke about levitating, right? Like the Spirit shows up, the presence of God to give the people of God power to show people that God is real. And yeah, they don't levitate or perform crazy wonders in the sky or a light show of amazing heaven glory. Instead, it says that they were enabled to speak in these other languages. There are four references to the fact that the believers were speaking these other languages. And it even says, as we'll get to later, that people were amazed because they saw these people speaking in their language. What is so important about this? Why is this this, the first miracle that the Holy Spirit enables the people of God to do? What does it show us about God's heart? I wanna read to you from Revelation chapter five. It says here that they sang a new song. This is the, the company of heaven is gathered around the throne and they were singing a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. With your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nations. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. In this moment, you see this picture of people from every tribe, tongue, and language. And so in this moment in Acts, God is giving the world a foretaste of a future reality that is, that is coming to earth. It's begun, it's not consummated, it's not finished, but something has started. Heaven has begun to invade earth. And the will of God that is done in heaven is being done on earth through the people of God. And as it says right here, they were empowered to be, or they were chosen to be a kingdom and priests. The church, to be the church means to be the kingdom of God and his priests on earth. And specifically in this passage, we see to be the welcoming presence of God on earth as it is in heaven. And that is what our message is about. What does it mean for us to be spirit-filled people to be empowered and enabled to be the welcoming presence of God on earth as it is in heaven. What does it mean for us to be those people in our everyday life, especially in a time of controversy, conflict and tension and uncertainty about the future? So that's the the focus of our message. So how does the spirit enable them or empower them to be that welcoming presence? I wanna use three words to frame this message around. Number one, unity. The spirit enables them to, to have unity with each other. Number two, loyalty. The spirit enables them to move toward a new loyalty in their life. And number three, hospitality. So let's dig into this, all right? Let's talk first about this idea of unity and the fact that when the spirit shows up, they're unified in their differences. It says in verse six, that when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So in this moment, when they receive these languages, these languages, yeah, are a sign of a supernatural activity happening in their midst, but it's also a relational thing. Yeah, it's practical. They could all speak this language in a language that everyone could understand. But if, we're, if we think about it, these are Hellenized Jews being gathered from all over the world. They probably already had a common language. They probably could have just spoken in Hebrew. 
they probably could have spoken in Greek and had that in common. And yet God specifically empowers them to speak in everyone's native language. And that's a really relational thing. And it's relational because God is a welcoming presence. And he, when the spirit shows up, he empowers us to be supernaturally relational and to be welcoming. This moment of speaking in these other languages, what's significant about that? Why is that so important? Because it gives these people a sense of belonging, a sense of being known. When you speak someone's language, they just feel even more known. They feel connected, they feel understood. We even use that phrase, you're speaking my language, right? If someone's having a hard day and your buddy says, hey, let's just go for a surf. You might say, you're speaking my language. If you've been you know, having a long week and you just need to blow some steam and your favorite girlfriend comes over and she's like, hey, let's do some knitting together. You might be like, hey, you're speaking my language. You know, that's nothing more I want to do than do some knitting with my best girlfriend. What is speaking your language? What, what do you love? Maybe it's like coming to a friend's house who makes this amazing vegan meal for you and you're like, oh, you're talking my language. Busting out the tofu, you know. It's this idea that when we speak each other's language, it makes us feel connected, welcomed, and understood and known. That's part of God's heart. These differences tend to separate us. And yet what we see is God doesn't erase or abolish the differences between these different people. He actually accentuates and highlights those differences. That's really important. God brings a unity amidst diversity not by erasing the differences, by using some kind of common language, but by speaking each of their own languages. And he brings this amazing community together that's unified amidst their differences, not erasing their differences, but calling it to something larger that allows their differences to no longer be a point of division. Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter two, he says, his purpose was to create himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Are you willing to let God put to death hostility that you might have towards others because of different viewpoints, different perspectives, different convictions in order to represent the welcoming presence of Christ on earth as it is in heaven. Secondly, the idea of loyalty. When the spirit shows up, they're gathered around Jesus and they're gathered around a new loyalty. Listen to this in verse 38. It says that Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It's this idea of repent. Because repenting is about the willingness to change, to change our mind. And what Jesus is calling them to through Peter is he's calling them to a new loyalty. He's calling them to change their life and to relinquish and let go of their previous loyalty. It's their loyalty to their to their to the their way of doing religion, right? They were Jews and they were used to everything being around the temple and the law. And Jesus is calling them to a new religious perspective, a new loyalty, uh, to, to a new loyalty um, apart from their family. So Jesus at one point in his teaching says, if you wanna follow me, you have to be willing to leave your mother, your brother, your sister, or your, your son. 
And when Jesus at one point also said, who is my mother and my brother? But those who do the will of my father. He's calling us to a new loyalty. In this moment, the disciples are not calling this crowd of people to their thing. They are calling people to a new loyalty to God's thing. And that new loyalty is what allows us to gather with, with our differences and not be divided by our differences, but to be united because we're coming around a new loyalty to something that is greater than all of our other previous loyalties. Our political loyalties, racial loyalties, family loyalties, all of those now are subordinate to our loyalty to Christ. And that empowers us to come together and have a unity that we could never have had before. Listen to what um, Paul writes in Colossians 2. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, Republican or Democrat, but Christ is all and as is in all. For some of us in this time, we're going to be tempted to divide with each other over our loyalties to things that are subordinate to our preeminent loyalty to Christ. The world doesn't have that loyalty to Christ. So they cling to things like their political parties, to their family, to their upbringing, to their life experience, to their, even their cultural identity, to their gender identity. But we have a higher loyalty that we're called to. And that doesn't erase the differences. It's not about coming together and pretending like we don't have our political views or we're no longer male or female, we're all androgynous or something. No, that's not what Paul's talking about. He's saying those now are not what we gather around. They are not the most important thing. Our loyalty above all is to Jesus. And so where there are differences between us along how we handle the COVID response or how we handle what's happening with Black Lives Matter, we can gather around Christ and allow him to be the new center that gives us a new perspective, recognizing that every one of us has to repent and change as we move towards Jesus together and towards this new center in our life. A new loyalty is about a new alignment in our life. And we need that more than ever today because the welcoming presence of Christ is calling us and wanting to renew in us our loyalty to him and to his kingdom principles and vision. Next, hospitality. I love this one. Look at this. Verse 44, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Hospitality is the opening of our lives. When we have a unity in our diversity, not erasing our diversity, but bringing it to the table. When we have a new loyalty that centers around Jesus, not around our family or our political party, but around Christ himself. We are empowered to live out a life of hospitality and welcome to the world that makes the world go, what are you crazy? How can you hang out with those people? You must be drunk to be hanging out with those conservatives. You must be drunk to hang out with that liberal, right? You gotta be out of your mind to be hanging out with those guys because we, can easily get caught up in the differences. Oh, I love to surf. I love to skate. I lo- I'm vegan. I love eating only meat. And we define ourselves and our circle of people around what we love to do. But those are lesser values that we need to orient our life around. 
you can see that when we're oriented around those lesser things, our capacity for hospitality is greatly limited and diminished. The hospitality of Jesus was the hospitality that welcomed and had meals with prostitutes and tax collectors. It scandalized Jesus. He was so welcoming that the religious leaders wanted to crucify him because of the people he was willing to to be with and spend time with. And so hospitality is not just about opening our home, although we see that through this passage that they literally open their home, their food, their finances. It's an opening of our material resources. Hospitality is an opening of our lives. It's an opening of our hearts, an opening of our perspective. It's a sharing of our stories with each other and opening to one another's different experiences and allowing God to transform and change and lead us to places of repentance through that hospitality. Because as we welcome people into our life, God's gonna change us through them. Because without even knowing it, we are welcoming God into our life through one another. It's an opening of our hearts, our faith, our experiences. It ends with this. The passage ends in verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see right here, there wasn't this miracle of like crazy healing, although that's a great miracle and important and should be done. It wasn't simply like this amazing miracle of a dazzling glory light show in the sky that made everyone go, whoa, heaven's real, Jesus is real. It was a supernatural revelation of God's welcoming heart and hospitality. And today the world needs us as the people of God to demonstrate that and courageously live that out. In a moment, we're going to go into worship. When we get back, I want to facilitate a few discussion points for you with your family, your friends at home to chew on together about what this means for you. Isn't it interesting that when the Holy Spirit shows up to empower the people of God in this inaugural moment in Acts 2, what God discerns the people of God need empowerment with is to be welcoming, to be the welcoming presence of God on earth. I mean, think about it. Like I said earlier, like, The spirit doesn't first empower them right in this moment to go do some amazing healing session. Uh, Again, that would be awesome. And I would love to see more of that in our church, but it's the spirit behind that, the healing or the preaching or all the things that the church does. It's that we are representing the supernatural welcoming heart of God. I feel like in these times where there's so much division in the world and in our country, you can really feel how supernatural it is to be welcoming the way that Jesus was, to have that kind of unity and diversity, to have that kind of loyalty with God that supersedes all other loyalties, our nationalism, our our loyalty to our families, even our ethnic backgrounds, and, and to have a hospitality that can welcome people in that are different than us. I want to just give you a chance to reflect with your friends and your family. What does it mean for you to be that welcoming presence of God? And I have a couple reflection questions for you to talk about together. Number one, when have you felt really welcomed by somebody? And if that's hard for you to remember, you might even go to the negative. When have you not felt welcomed? I remember when I met this guy, I would move to a new high school. He was a junior. He lived on my street. We became good friends. And the first day of high school, I didn't know anybody but him. And I walked up to him 
so grateful to have one friend. He looked at me, he laughed at me and turned his back on me and ignored me. Oh, I was cut to the heart. But sometimes it's these moments where we're not welcome that makes us realize how valuable it is. So when have you felt welcomed or unwelcomed? Number two, where do you sense God's invitation for you to manifest his welcoming presence right now on earth? Maybe there's some places around the unity point or the loyalty or the hospitality that you felt was challenging for you. That God is inviting you gently but lovingly to repent and to allow him to move you closer to him so that you are more able to move closer to others. And with that being said, I want to just pray a blessing over you. I bless you to be filled afresh this week with the welcoming presence of God who has reconciled all people across all dividing walls of hostility through his crucified body, through his shed blood, making peace for us, making peace possible between us and everyone and anyone because of what he has done and who he is. And I bless you to be the welcoming presence of God this week to your family, online, on Zoom, on your Twitter feed, in your, on your Facebook account, in the way that you social media, may you be the welcoming presence of God. Have a good week. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.